this is Kevin Dixon, and a big welcome to a talk on the buyer side. I'm your host, and I'm also the founder of PopStep, a sales platform that aligns the selling with the buying. We're a sales podcast with a difference because this is all about the buyers, and in today's complex markets, it's their perspectives that really matter. We'll be having buyer side chats with decision makers and industry experts to understand more about buying challenges what salespeople do well, what they need to improve on, and how they can help in the buying process. Join us as we explore the concept of facilitation and collaboration with B2B buyers. Jens, uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Brilliant. So I'm absolutely chuffed to have you on the podcast today to talk about bridging the gap between sales and procurement and, and how sales can improve their approach. And we're going to explore what I call the dark side. And I say that a little tongue in cheek to the average salesperson, anyone within procurement is on the dark side. And probably procurement have similar feelings about salespeople, but, but does it have to be that way? Salespeople need to put aside their historic fear of procurement, because in today's buyer or customer-centric markets, the need to engage and collaborate with them is crucial for success. So, so let's kick off with you telling us a little bit about your background in procurement and what you're doing with your colleagues at Fivist.io today. Yeah, thanks, Kevin, for having me on the show again. Um, look, I mean, I've been in procurement all my career, all my life. Uh, and as you say, you might consider it the dark side. I consider it as the bright side. I think procurement is one of the, the best function in the company. But you might be saying that about sales. But, but hey, yeah, so at the Fibers Partnership, we are actually a network of procurement consultants. So uh, some colleagues of mine from uh, Procter & Gamble, we got together and formed a consultancy company to help pre- predominantly procurement teams to become more customer-centric, to develop the right strategies, to deliver operational excellence, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, we set up the company roughly two years ago. And uh, what we realized though, very quickly after we've, you know, we started is that a lot of salespeople, sales organizations from the suppliers that we've dealt with in the past when we were on the corporate side, approach us and ask us, hey, Jens, can you actually explain us a little bit more about procurement? Because we we perceive them as, as a black box, as a as a blocker, and we rather do cold calling than dealing with procurement. I mean, that was literally a feedback that I received from, from one of my ex salesperson, and that for us was a bit of a rude awakening, Kevin, because we actually weren't aware on what kind of let's say bad reputation procurement people had amongst the sales community. So we 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 started more and more to engage with people like yourselves and sales communities, et cetera, et cetera, to tell our story, to to enlighten a bit uh, you guys on what is it actually that we do as procurement first and second and how you can actually build value. Because one thing that people tend to forget is procurement can only be successful with the right suppliers, with the right-minded salespeople. Without great salespeople, we will not be able, be able to be successful as, as procurement. So this is roughly what we do. We, we, we try to be the procurement experts uh, by consulting you know, small and large companies on procurement best practice and at the same time try to build bridges between uh, sales and procurement. Brilliant. I actually think you guys are going to be super busy because there is such a window of opportunity uh, within what you're doing. Because I think if, if salespeople really want to, uh, the, you know, the market's getting tougher and salespeople really want to improve, this is one aspect of their game they, they need to work on. So 
I always think that the vast majority of salespeople have a simplistic, negative opinion of, of the procurement department. I tend to think that most of the time it's because they don't understand procurement. And in fact, they fear it because they see it as a hurdle to their success and that can be very difficult for them to overcome. Now, right. you guys as a, a supplier relationship procurement expert, I think it would be great if you could start by explaining to all of the salespeople listening what the actual role of procurement is today. I mean, it sounds, well, everyone knows what procurement is, but you know, the, the, everyone's roles change. So talk, talk us through procurement today. Yeah, sure, sure. And I mean, just maybe one side remark, Kevin. I mean, what I was surprised with when, when I you know, started to, to engage with salespeople and, and I obviously read some sales methodologies as well, that most of these methodologies are actually to your point, position procurement in a way that is, that is avoid them as much as possible pretty much. That's the message, right? And for me, it's, it's, yeah. it's surprising that this is actually still the common thought process for many, many salespeople out there. So what procurement does uh, in, in a nutshell, Kevin, is we are, first of all, in a function within the business, a service organization within the business. We go out to our internal stakeholders and try to identify what they actually need right the classical example that i always give there is there might be somebody within the company say we need washing machines right stupid example but just to get the point across there might be somebody saying an it director we need washing machines procurement department get me washing machines so the first step uh, as as a professional buyer is to say well is it really that you need washing machines or what is your underlying needs and the underlying need for washing machines is obviously clean clothes and there's various different ways in how you can get clean clothes, right? You can clean them yourself. You can get them to an external provider to clean your clothes. Or indeed, you can get the washing machines. So the first step as a professional buyer is to sit down with your internal stakeholders and evaluate and assess what are your actual needs. And then to go externally and evaluate what is out there, what cap capabilities are out there to address this need internally. So this is where procurement people spend a lot of time with. First, to internally build that relationship to be that credible partner internally to say, I can help your internal stakeholders by addressing your need, by really evaluating how to best get you that service that you require. And then externally to build relationships with external providers to match those two together to derive at the best outcome. So that is really the first, the first step in a professional procurement process where we as buyers spend a lot of time. And based on that first assessment, we build our sourcing strategy. So we go through a very you know, analytical process, which most, um, I think, the sales community as such maybe don't fully, fully understand that, that we follow a very structured process in how we approach the market. So based on the internal and external assessment, we, we develop our strategies and then we go out into the market and approach suppliers with a negotiation, with an RFQ process, et cetera, et cetera. So this is really top line, Kevin, on how... On, on what we do and how we go about it. It's interesting because you sort of talk there about sort of business case justification being the sounding board for the other departments in the organization. You know, there's almost, I always think a lot of salespeople think of procurement as most of the time that they're sort of, they're spending their time maintaining their thumbscrew machine so that when it comes to negotiation, you know, that, that's all they do. They're there to sort of <laughs> squeeze every last bit of every penny out of the deal. And, and I, but what you're saying is there's a much bigger business aspect to procurement. It isn't just about the number crunching and the squeezing of the margins. 
Yeah, and I mean, what I should say though, procurement is obviously on the journey as well, right? I mean, the, the function is fairly fairly young. I mean, it got established pretty much 30 years ago in the automotive industry and, and the FMCG sector really, you know, professionalized it. Uh, this is this is where it all began and, and procurement was focused initially the first, I would say, 20 years on cutting costs, optimizing supply chains, right? I mean, with the development of globalizations, uh, the Far East, and then, you know, all these opportunities that you had out there, the focus was on cutting costs and getting, you know, squeezing supplies pretty much if you want. But over the last 10 years, this kind of setup is no longer really the state of the art and what actually CEOs and CFOs are more and more requesting from procurement is, look, we cannot squeeze our supplies to the nth degree. This is impossible. The price cannot go down to zero. There's actually a lot of risk that you put into the supply chain if you squeeze your suppliers. Procurement, what you should be doing is to identify a supply base that can drive sales and enable growth, that can bring us sustainability, that can bring us solution to our, solutions to our problems. And, and this is what you should be predominantly doing. And as I say, procurement is on a journey to change their game. There's still many procurement organizations out there that are stuck in this kind of old ways of doing things by just squeezing suppliers. But it is very, very clear for all of us in this discipline is the future lies in creating value with, with, uh, with suppliers. So you still might have some procurement people that you're dealing with or your listeners are dealing with that are only about price. But the next generation or the current best practice that, you, that we see in the market is really around building value. So, we, for instance, we've consulted a, a you know, medium-sized FMCG company the other day on their five-year strategy. And the word cost saving did not appear in their mission statement. So this is, I think, the clear factor that cost saving is something, a cost control, yes, we all need to do that. And we all love a discount and it's always going to be there, but, but the, the, it will not get you the promotion. It will not get you, you know, the tap on the shoulder from the CEO. It's about generating growth and enable sales through, the part, through a partnering approach with suppliers out there. There's a fight for the best suppliers out there, Kevin, right? I mean, large companies have realized it already that only with the best external parties and partners, you can actually succeed in the market. And procurement is at that you know, intersection of creating that link between internal needs and external capabilities. And most procurement organizations have realized that. And the ones that haven't will change soon or will be changed. This is our, our perception. Uh, yeah, that's really good to hear because I, I... If, if a sales guy's got a, a great value proposition, sales guy's doing a really good job presenting value, they want to know that that's going to be rewarded with the way they interact with procurement, not like, well, the, the stereotypical procurement department say, okay, don't, don't care how good you are, don't care how good the job you've done, we're going to squeeze you. So, so we, we know salespeople, everyone knows salespeople, we know how we're measured. We're measured on revenues, orders, profit, et cetera, et cetera. Are procurement measured? Are the people in procurement measured in, in a way? Or, or is that an unfair question? Because the logical way they're going to be measured is delivering something against a number. Because sales work against numbers. Do, do procurement work against numbers? Or how, do they, how are they measured? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, 
everybody loves numbers. Uh, procurement is also a number function. Many procurement organizations report into a CFO, roughly 60% report into finance. So you can, you, you can see from that already that numbers um, you know, are very well perceived in procurement as well. But that is changing. Uh, one metric clearly is, is out there and will continue to be out there is namely generating savings versus a budget. But I always tell to salespeople, this is probably the first crucial element that you need to understand. So how is this budget established, right? Who sets the budget within the company? In many organizations, this whole budget setting process is pretty much outsourced to the procurement function. I'll give you an example there. So let's say you, you buy as a buyer or the, the buying organization has responsibility for a certain raw material ingredient for a shampoo, let's say. No one in that organization will except for procurement, will know what that raw material price should be in the next one, two, three, four, five, six years. They all rely on procurement to come up with a forecast to, that will then influence the budget process within the company. And, and people will trust procurement that this number is actually right. There's no external referencing or external analysis. Procurement, what procurement says is pretty much is, is gospel. As a salesperson, you can heavily influence that process. If you know how the budget setting process works, how, how the, what the timelines are, procurement is, is always receptive to information that you provide to them. I, for instance, was managing a team at the time, and I had buyers in my team that, that literally took the presentations from their sales representatives, from their suppliers, on how the market would develop on a certain ingredient, and, and pretty much copy-pasted that into our presentation that we presented to, to our finance community. I obviously wasn't very happy with it because even the supplier logo was still on, <laughs> on, on that chart, right? But mm. then you see it. I mean, it's, it's, um, you, you, you have a, a big influence as salesperson because we're always desperately looking for information, us as procurement, on what's going to happen in the market. And we, uh, yes, we do our analysis ourselves, uh, but obviously as salesperson, you have a, a certain view on the market and insights that for us is very difficult to get. So we leverage that and we try to tap into that. So this is just one, one area where, where you as salesperson can step in and, and by understanding the process, you can really deliver value. But I mean, your question was around KPI. So yes, savings is a KPI that we have. Uh, savings against the budget is definitely something that we need to deliver against. Now, what I said early on, Savings will not get you a promotion, will not get you where you want to be in, in, in your procurement career. What we see more and more is that projects, uh, how did you deliver projects as procurement person uh, is being evaluated internally. How much innovation or ideas did you bring into the organization through your suppliers to help us to generate more sales? So this, this kind of project-based business case analysis is more and more in demand. For instance, that a, a procurement person might be saying, look, why don't we invest 10% in our supply chain? Why don't we increase the cost for a certain service or for a certain material that we're buying? Because we believe that through that, we will drive more sales. This is a project-based approach, a project-based business case approach. And, and that is more and more in demand. That, that is not only about hard numbers, but about how do you help us internally procurement to achieve our company goals? So this is roughly what I would say was happening. Yes, there is hard targets on, on savings that always will be there, but it's predominantly now about driving sales and, and enabling growth for the company. That's really interesting. So I, I'm trying to think like a, a sales guy now. So there's two ways of a, an opportunity coming up. The opportunity where the, the customer invites people to bid. And so you've got the, the RFQ, the RFP, or the one that 
the sales guy can generate an opportunity through engagement with their contact through procurement, which then the procurement guy can take in-house and hopefully seen as the enabler for these things. Two aspects of that then. RFQ, RFP. If you're a vendor and you get one out of the blue, should they just ignore it? Or it, everyone sort of says if, the, if you get one out of the blue, they're already half the way down with some vendors and you're being used as a stalking horse. True or a myth? Probably at times true, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I mean, I always hated uh, when I was leading procurement teams uh, the word RFQ, RFP, because for me, that's a very transactional process. Uh, many procurement people and organizations just use it to cover their back because, again, it's numbers, right? You ask 400 questions, you analyze them, and then you can show your management, well, the numbers say we should be picking the supplier, right? So it is, it's really uh, sometimes I perceive it's a tool used by probably more inexperienced procurement teams just to get a justification why they're picking one supplier over the others. And they can still explain it five years down the road. But you're missing the trick on the value there, right? So because in a personal conversation, a personal negotiation, in a interaction with the supplier, you will come up with ideas that you maybe haven't even thought of, that you haven't covered with your 400 question. And by the way, whoever looks at 400 question in the first place. So I think there is some work to be done on the procurement side to really reevaluate how valuable are these RFQs, RFPs. I know in the public sector, for instance, you have to follow certain standards. Mm -hmm. But even there, I would say people are doing it over the top just to you know cover their backs and i think we need to challenge ourselves as procurement function on what we can be can do differently there now to your question if you receive such an rfq rfp i i would probably in most cases say you miss an opportunity there if you get an rfq rfp out of the blue so that means that a buyer has you on the radar screen but you as a salesperson never interacted with them that's actually an artist right so you are you probably deliver something of value if I want just to see what, what you are offering in terms of price and, and, and quality and stuff, that I obviously see a value in you as a company and organization. So if you, and if you have never con made contact with me, I think it's a miss on your side as a salesperson. And I would consider it as an opportunity. Now, would I advise you to deliver a quotation? I think I would start a conversation with the buyer first and really sense check it. Um, because what you want to do is, that you create leverage this and create a relationship that you can actually engage and maybe win the next round of that comes along in maybe two or three years, three years time from now uh, to put you onto the radar screen. I mean, I had many occasions where yes, we send out RFQs and yes, probably we just wanted to have you as a sounding board. But I think the most frustrating is if people are just saying, look, or they give you the feedback. Yes, you just use me as a sounding board. I'm not going to reply because at least a sour kind of or bitter taste in the relationship. And, you know, then, then you lose it. So I would use it as a way to engage to actually to a reason for a meeting, maybe a reason for having a conversation. And then based on that, I would decide, should I apply some information uh, to that buyer? Yes or no. But at least you've built that relationship and that report that is so important for, for the next time that before you get this RFQ, you can actually already influence the buyer on the decision making process. Yeah, it's a common failing of salespeople. They're so desperate to sort of fill their pipeline with opportunities that even a cold opportunity like that, especially if it's from a big company, potentially big value, they want to make it fit and expend so much time and resource internally trying to address it. And they may not have probably any more than 5% chance of winning at that stage, especially if there's no, no opportunity to interact. Because a lot of these processes say, no, you've got to respond. You can't talk to us. And those ones, I, I always say walk away. If you can't engage 
and at least have some discussion before you submit, then that wouldn't be a good shout for me. But going to the other side, so the other side is that the best salespeople create an opportunity. They go to a company and they say, here's a different perspective, here's a different way that we think can help drive some business change and opportunity for you. Now, if they do that, most sales guys will be thinking, do you know what, I'm going to go to the business problem owner, you know, the CIO or whoever it might be. Is that the right first port of call or should they engage with someone in procurement early as well? Yeah, that's a very good point, uh, Kevin. Um, I, I would always say you need to understand what the political situation is in that company, right? So there's various stages of maturity within within the procurement world, right? So you have, let's say, the the gold standard of a procurement team is pretty much a business internal business partner being engaged and included in the decision making process from day one of a certain project or business problem that has that, that was identified. Uh, and then you have the other organization where procurement is actually perceived even internally as a blocker, as, as a function that only sits somewhere in the basement and sees the day of the light when there's an issue or you only see them at the Christmas party and that's it, right? So this is pretty, the other extreme and internal stakeholders, the CTO, as you mentioned, would avoid them as much as you guys would be, do, would be avoiding them. Um, and, and there's obviously a gray area in between as well. So I think the first step is really to understand, okay, what's the political situation? Uh, what's the mandate of the company leadership? Is there a mandate that spend should be controlled by a procurement function, yes or no? In most organizations, they're either there or thereabouts to actually implement that kind of mandate that every expenditure done by any kind of function within the company needs to be approved or at least signed off by by a procurement professional so you get a lot of these kind of you know then tensions where the cto might be saying hey you know i've built a great relationship with kevin he's he's delivering great value for money we want him so bad and then they realize oops actually there's a procurement process that we should be following the ceo just got us that mandate that we you know got procurement that mandate that they need to be involved let's quickly phone them up and tell them that kevin is the best thing since sliced bread just do your magic procurement but i want kevin and this is obviously a a very very you know uh, you know unfortunate for unfortunate situation for you to be in because procurement obviously will be very frustrated because i always compare that with with when you take your kids to a toy store your, your child runs to to the shelf takes out a lego set and and runs to you hey daddy 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 i want it so bad it's the best thing that i've ever seen and then you go to the shop assistant try to negotiate a discount it's impossible right uh, and this is exactly the same situation that you are that you need to be dealing with in with the cto there they tell you they told the supplier we want you price is okay this is the budget let's just go for it and here procurement by the way do your magic and get everything into into a compliant kind of format and we obviously don't like to be treated that way that we are just perceived as well anybody can buy stuff and you're just filling in contracts and, and taking meeting minutes mm -hmm. um so this is a very difficult situation to be in because as a buyer in this situation i would probably try to to showcase to my cto and showcase to uh, you, Kevin, that I actually can value. I'm probably going to squeeze you very hard on price just to make the case to say, look, CTO, CIO, whoever it is that came up with a the request, there is actually value that I can deliver. And you supply, you, Kevin, 
I think maybe next time you should build a relationship with me first before you run uh, and just, you know, build a relationship with a counterpart and pretty much gang up with that person against me. So I would always recommend if you, if you have a great solution, a great product, a great service, yes, of course, reach out to, to the internal problem owner on the technical side, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, always try to investigate who is your procurement person? Do you have a procurement function to already engage with them? Because procurement also wants to be involved in finding solutions that can actually improve the overall company's results. So if you form a bond with, with a CTO, that is great. But at the same time, I would always try to make sure that you at least know who your, the procurement counterparts are, engage with them early, excite them about your ideas, and then try to finish the deal and not the other way around. You mentioned earlier about procurement being part of this internal group, and, and it's one of my favorite subjects, the, the, the buyer committee and, and the way that people make decisions uh, today by consensus. I think most salespeople will think of procurement as being a department that comes in on the back end of the process, and that's why they sort of ignore them to another day. A good principle to take away then today is that involve them as early as possible. Because I it probably think about when we reach, re, read all the research, all, all the prospects are saying the decision took longer than expected. The, decision, the process was more difficult than expected. And it sounds like what you said earlier on about procurement being involved later on where the CIO, CTO says, I want Kevin, get him done. That's why it becomes elongated as a process because not enough people were involved early enough in the process. Absolutely. And then one of the one of the tasks of procurement is to be that project manager, right? To say, to sit early on in that meeting and say, okay, uh, the CTO comes up with a problem, a business issue that we need to address. And internally, you have a conversation on, okay, what is really needed? What are the business needs? And then how are we going to resolve, address this business need? Okay, we're going to go externally. And that's where the project management task comes in or kicks in for procurement to then okay, let's follow our process so that we can get the solution as quickly as possible. So you can really think of procurement as a project management function. We are a service organization to the internal requisitioner. We would never tell a CTO it's this partner or that partner. We would try to form a dialogue and try to find consensus that with our commercial analysis and with your technical background, we think this is the best solution for the company. This is, procurement always thinks in a way of recommending a solution to an internal stakeholder. And we obviously are there to be devil's advocate, right? And to be that challenging function as well. This is what the CFO and, and the CEO are, are mandating us to do, to say, okay, we already have 50 software suppliers. Why do we need to have Kevin to come in as the 50, 50 you know, first supplier there to address a certain need that I think we've already covered very well with the 50 other providers that we have. So that kind of discussion obviously needs to take place and that's where procurement at times is maybe perceived as a blocker because that challenging discussion hasn't taken place internally. So to your point, Kevin, to, to involve procurement early in the process and to have that discussion early on the process will save you a lot of time and will serve everyone in the end of the day a lot of time. Because if you only learn six months later that, oh, my customer actually has already 10 providers and they can do it equally well, then you might end up in a, in a, in a bidding contest where the whole market is just, the whole market price pretty much squeezed down because you have a you know, bidding contest where, where, where very aggressively uh, people fight for business and the whole market price goes down the drain. I can only, you know, reiterate my point and, 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 and repeat myself pretty much. Yes, involve procurement early on. They can be 
that, that project manager for you, they can also be that internal advocate. So for instance, if you deal with a larger company and you, you formed a bond with your procurement person to provide a service for brand A, they obviously will be, you know, very, will be very open to recommend your solution to brand B as well. So they can be your internal advocate for your solution. But the first step is really to build a relationship with them, to build a bond with procurement professionals next to the internal requisitioner that you obviously need to build a relationship with as well. Right. So relationships important, momentum, early, early engagement, etc. But price will never be obliterated from the equation. It's always going to be important. No matter which way you look at <laughs> yeah. it. What, one of the things that's made me raise an eyebrow or two uh, over the years is when salespeople would tell me that they were negotiating with procurement department. But the reality was it wasn't a negotiation. It was a debate about how much the price needed to be reduced to be in the ballpark. Now, this is a common thing. Sales guys always coming to sales leadership, well, we need to be at this price, and, and it's always downwards. It's never a, a trade. I think. Surely, though, that the more procurement see salespeople willing to drop the price, the more they're going to be asking for it and pushing for it. And, and surely, if you've got something of true business value, standing your ground and saying that this is the price is better than sort of keep conceding ground because surely procurement will just take advantage of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, what you need to know is, I mean, there's one area that we very well trained on that is negotiation, right? I think every procurement person will go through a certain negotiation training in, in their career. And this is definitely, we obviously apply certain tactics just to sense check, okay, how reliable are you as a salesman? How realistic is your price? Especially if, if we have an, a market that is not very transparent. If, if it's a product that there's no market index or software where production costs are pretty much zero, but you ask me to pay two million for it, right? This is obviously a, an area where, where, where you need to use certain tactics to see, okay, what is actually the price that is sustainable for you and sustainable for me? And, and it could easily be that, that a procurement person might come into a meeting and just try to sense check you by, saying, by, by putting a price on the table that is so low that, is, that everybody knows it's actually not sustainable, but, but just to see on how you're going to react to it. Are you going to crumble and you're going to say, okay, wait a minute, I'm going to reduce the price by 30% right away? Or are you, as you say, stand your ground? And articulate what value you're gonna you're gonna deliver, and, and it might surprise your your listeners, Kevin. I've seen it more often than not that this tactic actually actually works. That you that you just put a price out there that is very unreasonable, and then you see that that the salesperson is really getting desperate to win over the business. And then I get even more suspicious because then I might realize if you can drop the price by thirty percent in a half an hour conversation then maybe you're still overcharging me, right? Mm. And again, especially in a market which is not transparent, where I don't have all the insights on what the real price should be, I need to, I need to make sure that I come to a level where I fully trust you that the price that I'm asking for is now actually reasonable for both sides. And yeah, unfortunately, I've seen it more often than not that, that people are giving away value too quickly because they, I don't know, that they don't know how to read that tactic well enough. I share a very surreal moment I had in my career where I was involved with the head of the business and purchasing came in and we'd already been sort of established as the vendor they wanted and, and we had a meeting and, and we were, t I think it was probably a circa about uh, 8 million, so not an insignificant amount of money. And we had this meeting where, and it just sounds unbelievable, but we sat across the table they wrote a number they were willing to pay on a piece of paper and slid it across the table. 
Uh, myself uh, and our CEO looked at the number, said that's not achievable, wrote another number and slid it back. That went on for several more exchanges. Then they agreed the number and we shook hands. I mean, it was the crazy. <laughs> You know, and, and we closed our email and I mean there was some negotiation but it, it sounds unbelievable I know that's not going to happen very often but it, it always makes me smile to this day so going going back just as, as we sort of bring this to a close I mean we, we mentioned earlier on value and who what is value business value emotional value whatever it might be that yeah. influences someone to make a decision now we, we understand how the business problem owner will interpret value because the value is it solves a problem they've got, or the value is it helps them to achieve a business goal. But do procurement see the business value exactly the same way uh, as the other departments within an organization? I think they they see it even as a wider scope than maybe a functional owner. A functional owner has, has an issue and they want to have that issue addressed as quickly as possible. And they don't necessarily think of okay, am I blowing the budget with this? Yes or no, right? I think, I think marketing for me is probably the best example here. Hopefully we don't have any marketing listeners there on your, on your podcast. But I think obviously they have, you know, 100 million and they blow the 100 million as if there's no tomorrow. And, and I think this is where it's probably not the right thing to do for a company. And this is where, this, where, where probably procurement expands the horizon to say, okay, as a company, what are the things that we need to achieve? What is the value that we need to deliver? Can we maybe you know, ex expand what we get for the 100 million by introducing technology, et cetera, et cetera? So to, to answer your question, it's, it's more aspects than probably what a internal business owner would, would articulate as, as need or requirement or value. Sustainability, for instance, is another another example, right? If you and it might be even things that I'm not aware of when when we start a meeting uh, or when we investigate a supplier, uh, sustainability concerns uh, for for companies obviously a big topic these days. You might be a provider that can give us as a company a great sustainability story, some sustainability credentials that maybe an internal marketing person might not be even caring about because they just care about their own you know, scorecard. Whereas I, as procurement, I have the whole business concept on, on, the, on, on my fingertips. And, and, and I might be the one that can actually take this kind of you know, nugget of value that you provide me with and take it to another function to, I don't know, to the CEO and say, look, we have this provider, they're a great marketing provider, but guess what? They can give us this sustainability credential that you were looking for as well. Wouldn't it be great to engage with these guys? It is, it's much broader for procurement. Another example, which, which probably a lot of people uh, consider as the most boring topic ever, and probably it is, is contracts. Procurement are, are tasked by CFOs, by the finance function, to make sure that spend is under management, spend is contract, especially for listed companies, this is very important. You don't want to you know, report back to the street saying, well, we have 60% you know, of our expenditures and 50% and of that we actually don't know who we're spending our money with uh, because we don't have any contracts in place. This is obviously bad news for the investors. And procurement is particularly tasked to say, or, you know, or mandated to go out and make sure that that spend is managed in, a, in an appropriate way, contracts being put in place. So you as a provider, you might be saying, look, procurement, I will make your life as easy as possible. I will sign your standard terms and conditions, or I will make sure that we get a contract in place one week after we've agreed to that deal. This is my commitment as salesperson. This is, in, is of great value for procurement. I had cases where 
three years after we've engaged with a supplier, uh, we still hadn't agreed on, on, a, on contract terms. And that was perceived as big risk for the company. And we actually got rid of that supplier just because of that, not because of the service or good was, was, was bad, but they delivered actually great value also cost-wise. But the fact that they weren't able to agree on a contract was seen as a risk. And, and I always say, when you ask for a promotion uh, within procurement, spend under management is one of the, the KPIs that people look at. How well do you manage your spend? Is it under control, yes or no? Have people signed your contracts? Where are you on this particular agreement? If you have, everything is read there pretty much as a, as a KPI, I assure you will not get your promotion. So this is one of a few areas, and there's many more, where you as a salesperson can really, really deliver value and it's above and beyond price, right? Well, yeah, it sounds to me that uh, procurement are seeing a much bigger picture than most of the other members of, of the the buyer group. And getting, getting that perspective is going to be really helpful. So I want to end with a takeaway from you for the listeners. A little golden nugget about maybe an idea what they should be doing differently or, or an action to take in future prospect engagements that involve procurement, what, what should they be doing better? Yes, probably two, Kevin. And one, one is maybe just, I just maybe say that a bit more jokingly is, is don't call me at, at 1 p.m. on a Friday, okay? <laughs> because for some strange reason, a lot of salespeople called me on always on uh, on the Friday afternoon. There's a lot of stuff that they need to do on a Friday afternoon still as, as a procurement professional. Maybe I need to make sure that my supply chain is not having any issues over the weekend, that I'm not going to get a call from the CEO or CEO, whoever it might be. So Friday afternoon is busy for procurement people. That's number one. Number two is how you can really deliver value is provide me with information insights. Procurement people are always desperately looking for for insider information because you guys are dealing potentially with my competitors uh, and i'm not asking to share confidential stuff but a a different perspective on how the market is is behaving what trends you're seeing that is that is really gold and i think you have that information at your fingertips and and providing me with with that insight is, is something that i'm i'm super interested in so send by sending procurement people you know, valuable information on the industry is, I think, one thing that you can already go out and do tomorrow or asking for a meeting and saying, look, uh, Jens, I want to invite you for a meeting where we're actually going to talk about the market uh, and you can learn a lot of stuff that you might not be able to get through your own research. That is something that is, you know, super interesting for, for procurement people. And I think, uh, you know, some of your listeners out there, um, they, they have that information. Just package it up and approach procurement in that way that you are that you understand their issue and you provide them with information not necessarily it's not even linked to your solution but just provide them information on the market that is uh, helping them in assessing what they should be doing that's super helpful well this, this has been absolutely fabians and thank you so much for taking the time to spread a little bit of your wisdom with us today and i, I truly hope that we see some thinking and behavioral change from salespeople moving forwards who will see procurement just as they would any other customer department they engage with, and that they'll look to collaborate with them and help facilitate the process of buying. This isn't going to be an easy change for many salespeople with ingrained thinking, but those that make it will, will reap the rewards. I have no doubt about that. So, so before you go, Jens, how can our listeners find or get in touch with you? Yeah, Kevin, uh, first of all, thank you very much for having, you, having me on your show. Uh, hopefully I could help to demystify the, the black box a little bit. I mean, this is really our mission to make sure that procurement is actually seen of value 
internally with their own organization, but also externally from suppliers. Because as I said from the very beginning, only with you guys, with our suppliers and salespeople, we can be successful as procurement. So um, yeah, our company uh, is obviously the Fiverr's partnership, always very active on LinkedIn. Uh, you, can, you can look me up there and ask me any questions if you like. And our website is uh, fiveeyes.io, so it's F-I-V-I-S.io. Thank you, Jens, and thank you, everybody, for listening.